This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. James chapter 4, verse number 7. Now, uh, I met with our deacons uh, prior to the, uh, the service tonight, and I told them, because uh, they said, man, we're, we'll eventually get through James, right? I mean, we're going a little bit slow. And I said, we're actually taking it from going slowly through the book of James to going very, very slowly through the book of James. So uh, the reason why, verse number seven here tonight, it's a very short verse, but we're only going to get through half the verse tonight, okay? Like, the verse literally has like six words in it, I think. We're only going to get through like the first three uh, because it's so important. You can't just gloss over and just keep moving on. So um, John had made a joke. He says, you'll know we're going super deep and being super spiritual when we only cover one word per message, right? And uh, very funny, John. Uh, So uh, anyways, uh, James uh, chapter 4, verse number 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, more than 10 words there, but uh, not a lot. We're just going to focus on the first half of that. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. When we talk about submission to God, it's important to understand uh, that we define terminology. It's really important. Uh, When I was a kid, I used to think that Lord Jesus Christ was his full name. Like Lord was his first name, Jesus was his middle name, Christ was his last name. But we need to understand that Jesus was his given name by his, his mother. We talked about it last Sunday. I believe it was last Sunday morning uh, that the, the Jewish name Yeshua was the name Joshua, which had already been given to many children, uh, Jewish names. It was a typical Jewish name, meaning Jehovah saves. Now, since the time of Christ, that's become a holy name, a special name that we don't just give the name Jesus to our dog or give the name Jesus to a newborn kid or something like that because it's now become a, a special holy name set apart. But at the time, it wasn't unique But the name Christ, there's only one of those. The name Lord, there's only one of those as well. And those mean something. The word Christ means the Messiah, the chosen one, uh, the one who had been prophesied of before time. That's what the word Christ means. The word Lord, though, means something a little bit different. It means that he's the master. And so it's important to start understanding from the beginning that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not a stating out his name. That's telling you who he is. He is Lord. Now, when we talk about the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, I think all of us could agree with that. You can see that sometimes on T-shirts that say uh, Jesus is Lord and things like that. And uh, once upon a time in, in Hawaii, some of you might not know this, there was an MMA fight club team called Jesus is Lord from Waianae. It's a group of Christian guys that like to fight. My kind of guys. Uh, but uh, anyways... The idea that Jesus Christ is not unique, that's found all the way uh, throughout Scripture. When we talk about Lord, the word Lord means master. This means that he is the boss. This means that he is in charge. This means that he calls the shots. And if you're ever wondering who gets to make the final call, the master always does. So when we talk about who Jesus Christ is and we say that Jesus Christ is Lord, It's speaking of his authority. It's speaking of who is the one at the end of the day that all things are uh, held together by. It's it's the idea of when you make a flow chart, who's at the top of the flow chart? And the answer to that is always going to be Jesus because Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And so when we talk about Christ as master, then that means that masters must have, uh, the Bible word would be servants, but the Greek word is doulos, which means bond slave. And so masters always need slaves. Again, it's not popular in our culture today to say words like master and slave because it makes some people feel uncomfortable, but they're biblical words when we look at it, when we break it down. Uh, my wife told me that uh, due to political correctness now, they no longer call on these home decorating shows, they no longer call it the master bedroom, they call it the primary bedroom. And I thought to myself, do, do people get offended by that? The answer is yes. Here's the fact of the matter. Jesus Christ is Lord, that means he's master. You and I, if we are child of God, we've been saved or born again, you and I are doulos bond slaves to the master. Politically incorrect, okay, call it what you want to, but that's the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is Lord and he is. Now, it's important sometimes, it frustrates me when, when sometimes people use vague Bible terminology when discussing the gospel. The gospel is very cut and dried. It's very basic. It's very black and white. You've broken God's law. The consequences are death and hell. Jesus Christ came to pay your penalty for the sin. You need to put your faith and trust in Christ and repent of your sin to be saved. That's the gospel, black and white. You need to be born again. Jesus says, John chapter three, verse number three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Those are Bible words, saved, born again. It always grinds my gears when people collude this and make it kind of uh, hazy when they say things like, would you like to make Jesus Christ your Lord? What does that mean exactly? Even more frustrating, would you like to invite Jesus Christ in? Like, like Jesus is waiting for you to like open the door and it's just like, oh, finally you opened the door. I've been waiting outside all, all day. Again, these are not biblical concepts. And please understand, Again, well-meaning pastors. I know that they mean well. I know that they love Jesus. I know they're trying to communicate the, the Bible. But the idea that Jesus Christ is standing outside of your door of your heart and knocking, begging to be let into your house, isn't a biblical idea. It just isn't. The fact of the matter is, is God is waiting to save for sure. But the moment that you reject him and die and take your last breath on planet Earth, you're gonna split hell wide open and you'll endure the wrath of God for all of eternity. So I don't like the idea of Jesus standing outside the door of your heart and knocking like he's a, a boyfriend that wants to be let in really late at night. That's not who he is. And Jesus doesn't grovel, let me say that as well. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's important to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord whether you acknowledge it or not. And so that's why I hate the phraseology, would you like to make Jesus Christ Lord? Friend, he's not waiting on your acknowledgement or your validation. Jesus Christ is Lord and he will forever be Lord. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. If there were other masters, he's the master of all those. If there's another boss, he's the boss of them. That's who he is. And so you and I don't, don't do God a favor by acknowledging his lordship and it's just like, oh great, now I get to be Lord. That's not how this works. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, it's important to understand when we talk about that, some, again, well-meaning people are talking about the fact that, uh, would you like to accept Christ as your savior? Would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? Would you like to be saved or born again? I get those. Those are biblical words that we're using there, but inviting Jesus into the door of your heart or opening up the door and letting him in. Uh, would you like to invite Jesus into your life and things like that? Those are vague words that, that cause the gospel to get very cloudy. Uh, 
And then when you ask someone, have they been saved or born again? They say, I don't really know. I went forward at a church service one time. Does that count? I'm not really sure. I raised my hand on a church service and the pastor prayed a prayer for everybody over the congregation. Does that count? And again, it makes the gospel really muddy and the gospel doesn't need to be muddy. It's very, very clear. It's black and white, so simple that a child could understand it. Let's make sure that we use Bible terms when we discuss the gospel. When it comes to understanding who Jesus Christ is, Jesus Christ is Lord and he always has been, he always will be, and he doesn't need our validation. Let me get that clear from the jump. But we have the choice to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you and I could never make Jesus Christ Lord if we wanted to. God the Father has an eternity past determined that Jesus Christ is Lord. We couldn't make him Lord if we wanted to. But you can acknowledge his lordship. I can recognize the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, what about those who deny the lordship of Christ? Deny the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hey, you can deny that grass is green all day long, and at the end of the day, it really has no bearing on the fact that grass is still green. You can say that the sky is purple if you want to every day, but the sky is not purple. It's going to be blue, and it will forever be blue until God decides to change that. You can acknowledge that fact or not, but it is what it is. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21 speaks of Christ in heaven at, on judgment day. And he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he do, that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So the acknowledgement of the fact that Christ is Lord does not save anyone. Jesus himself said that. When the day comes where he separates the sheep from the goats, there's coming a day where people will say, hey, we, we cast out devils in your name, Lord. And he's like, you're not mine. I don't know who you thought you belonged to, but you don't belong to me. You might have acknowledged my lordship, recognized the fact that I am Lord, but you are not saved. And so you and I have the choice also to not only acknowledge the lordship of Jesus, but to submit to the lordship of Jesus. Now we're really getting somewhere. Now we're placing ourselves under the authority of Christ, willingly voluntarily placing yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved without submitting to the authority of Christ. Keep your finger here, James. Uh, we're going to come back in just a second. Turn your foot over to Romans chapter 10. You should become very well versed in how to explain the gospel to people. You should be able to take somebody to Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6, 23. Uh, uh, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How does one get saved? Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Confess what? Verse number nine, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I am submitting to his authority. That's what it means to make Jesus Christ Lord, submit to his lordship. 
You have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can't believe that he's just Jesus. The frustrating thing for me as a pastor sometimes I see many Christians and again, many churches espousing a false Christology that you can make Jesus Christ your savior and then maybe later you can make him your Lord too. It's kind of a package deal. He doesn't say press one for Lord, press two for savior, press three for Lord and savior. Doesn't work that way. Would be convenient, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, please punch my ticket to heaven, but keep the whole submission and authority thing. I don't need that in my life right now. No, 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 it's a package deal. And friend, please understand, we sell people short and make them a twofold child of hell when we just tell them, hey, pray this prayer and you'll go to heaven. Nobody gets saved by simply praying a prayer. You get saved by your faith in Christ your submission to his authority, his Lord and Savior, and repentance of sin. And sometimes people look at verses 9 and 10, they say, well, I don't see the repentance in there. Here's the thing, if Jesus Christ is Lord and he is, and you've confessed him as Lord, there's no way that you can get around confessing your sin as well. Because you agree with God, and to agree with God is the Greek word metanoia, which means repentance. I believe that I've sinned against God, and I confess Jesus Christ as Lord. It's the only way that you can be saved. If you skip over to verse number 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're willing to believe in your heart and confess to your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God hath raised him from the dead, and we're gonna get to this on Easter Sunday. I can't wait. But get this, you can't be a Christian if you deny the resurrection of Christ. Get that. Well, I believe that Jesus is a good person. You deny the resurrection, you're not a Christian. Well, I, I, I confess my sin before God and ask God to forgive me, but I don't believe that he was bodily resurrected. You're not a Christian, according to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. But here's the thing. You believe in your heart, you confess through your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you have sinned against God and he's the only way to heaven, and that Jesus Christ is who he says that he is, and that God did raise him from the dead on the third day, then you are saved. Well, how do I know for sure that it took? Verse number 13. Did you call upon the Lord? confessing your sin before God? If the answer to that is yes, then verse number 13 gives you assurance of your salvation that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So again, you and I have to submit ourselves under the authority of Christ. He is the master. He is the boss. Whatever he says goes. Whatever he tells me to do, I simply do. Now, it's important to understand, this is a long statement, so stick with me for a minute, all right? The acknowledgement of Jesus' lordship is a mental affirmation and agreement. The submission to Jesus' lordship is a practical capitulation with daily implications. Again, I know that's a long word, and there's a lot of words on the screen. Get this. To simply say in your mind, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, all you're doing is agreeing with what the Bible already says, mentally to actually submit yourself to the authority of Christ means I have to change. I cannot continue to live the way that I am because I am no longer in charge of my own life. I don't get to wake up tomorrow and say, what do I want to do? Because I no longer belong to myself because Jesus Christ is now Lord of my life. I have to ask him for permission to do anything because he is Lord. So again, it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Are you living as if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life? Have you submitted to the authority of Christ? I, I was so thankful. There was a lady who had attended our church some time back, and she wasn't saved, and believe it or not, she had attended another church for years, had served in ministry uh, in that church, and came to Huikala and wasn't even saved. And we began to go through the gospel with her and asked her if she understood. She said that she did and wasn't ready to get saved, wasn't ready to get saved. And so I asked her what the hang-up was, and she had, you know, a dozen different hang-ups. And began to tell her, hey, just continue to come to church, continue to hear preaching, continue to, uh, to you know, ask God to reveal you the truth, and he will. And she continued to come to church, and after about six months, she said, hey, where are you at on this? And she said, I understand everything, I believe everything. Man, great, what's holding you up? And she said, I'm not willing yet to submit to Christ's authority. Wow, okay, that's a new one for me. I've been doing this for a long time, and I've yet to hear somebody say that, but you know what? It helped me to understand. She understood the gospel clearly. To follow Jesus, I have to be willing to turn from my sin and obey everything that Christ says, and I'm not really ready to do that yet. I've heard people say before, oh, I still want to continue my sin. I can still want to continue something. But she said the words, I'm not yet ready to submit to Christ's authority in my life. And I thought to myself, I don't know that I've ever heard an unsafe person understand the gospel so clearly. Because so many times people are like, oh, yeah, I'll pray whatever prayer I need to do to get to heaven. Oh, yeah, I'm willing to, to, uh, to follow Jesus. That not, does that actually mean that I have to change anything? Or can I just continue to do what I want to do? No, no, no. Submission to Christ's authority means that you're setting your own authority to the side. Whatever dreams you had for your life get set to the side because you're not in charge anymore. Whatever goals you wanted to accomplish now have to be submitted to the master for approval first. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. And let me help you with this. <laughs> Submission to Christ's authority didn't just take place the day that you got saved. It's something that you and I have to continue to work on every single day. I still have to continue to say, hey, I really want to do this, but is this really what God wants? Hey, I think it would totally be awesome to do this, but is this what God wants? Hey, I think this would be a great idea, but is this the mind of Christ? So it's not a matter of like, oh, I, yeah, I submitted to Christ's authority that one time when I got saved. No, no, no. This is a continual thing. When James writes in James chapter four, verse number seven, submit yourselves unto God, it wasn't like a check, it's done. It's a continual thing. The tense that it's written in is not a matter of a, it's a, a present tense that can be completed and moved on from. It's a continual tense. That this is not something that you do once and can move on. This is a matter of submission to God is a continual heart status that I continue to place myself under the authority of Christ. Jesus said in Luke chapter six, verse number 46, there's a group of people that were talking to him. And they said to him, hey, Lord. He stopped him and he says, hey, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? It's like, I don't think you understand what that word means because you keep using that word and I don't think that word means what you think it means. Lord means master. And you keep calling me Lord, but you're not doing the things that I'm telling you to do. 
And so it's one thing to say that Jesus Christ is Lord and acknowledge it. It's another thing to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Submission to Jesus as master requires us to adopt the role of bond slave. When you think about it this way, if Jesus Christ is Lord in my life, there's only one other role, one other seat that's empty. I don't get to be co-master with him. I don't get to be co-lord with him. There's one seat that's open on the bus. And you know what it is? Bond slave. Yeah, I don't really like that seat. You got anything else available? No. He can sit down or he can get off the bus. Simple as that. And so this makes some, again, some people feel uncomfortable. Hey, I didn't know that when I started following Jesus, I had to like do everything that he said. Okay, let me inform you then what it means to be a committed follower of Christ. You get to obey Jesus every single day for the rest of your life. And again, we, we took a look at this in Deuteronomy 6 this morning, but I thought it was so beautiful that, that, that God said to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 6, hey, I've given you these things so that I can protect you and extend your life. So many times people think that God is trying to rob your fun when God is actually, by giving you his rules and his guidelines, he's trying to increase your joy. Single people are like, oh, God says no sex before marriage. What's up with that? God's trying to protect the joy of your future marriage by giving you guidelines and boundaries to live within. He's not trying to steal your joy. He's trying to enhance your joy. God's telling you to, to submit yourself to your spouse. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Mutual submission doesn't steal joy from your marriage. It enhances the joy of your marriage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. For the husband is the head of the house, even as Christ is the head of the church. Oh, what a drag. Actually, if your husband is loving and leading like Jesus, it'll be one of the greatest joys of your marriage to submit to godly, loving leadership who always puts you first and never puts you second. What a joy. Be not drunk with wine when it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I, I can't drink and get drunk. God's not stealing your joy. He's enhancing your joy. And, and let me just tell you this. There's not a drink in the world that you can drink that will provide you as much satisfaction and fulfillment as being filled with the Holy Spirit of God will. Guaranteed any day of the week, 100 times out of 100. So God's not giving you that to be a drag. God's giving you that to enhance your joy. I willingly, lovingly submit to the authority of a master who's always looking out for my best interests. Now again, this is difficult as as the Bible is written to a group of people who were under Roman oppression, whose masters did not love them, much less like them. Very difficult, very difficult when we think of America's relationship with slavery. It makes us feel uncomfortable when people were viewed as property or treated unkindly. That's not our master. We're not those kind of slaves. We have a master who loves us who's looking out for our best interests, who says, submit to me and I'll take care of the rest. Again, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But you see, a bond slave is a position with no property, no rights, and no will. 
You might look at that and go, whew, that's kind of a drag, right? Actually, it's not. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that Christ took upon himself the form of a servant. That word servant means bond slave. Turn back to John chapter 5 in your Bibles. Turn over there if you would to John 5. Keep in mind, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. When the book of Philippians tells us that Jesus Christ took upon himself the form of a servant, he did not lay aside his deity. He didn't stop being God to become a man. He laid aside some of the prerogatives, we would say, of his deity, but he never stopped being God. John chapter 5, verse number 30, here's what Jesus says. I can of my own self do nothing As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. You know what Jesus says? I can't really say one way or the other. All I can do is tell you what the Father has said, because I don't even have the right to speak of anything on my own. I'm just doing what the Father told me to do. So here we find God in the flesh in the form of Christ submitted to the authority of the Father. Isn't that amazing? Christ didn't think it was a drag to be submitted to the will of the Father. Christ didn't see it as being lesser than or not being able to do his own thing because he was submitted to the will of the Father. He actually found it to be a delight. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10, Paul says, Now do I persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? Here's what he says, Galatians 1.10. If I... For yet, if I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Isn't it interesting the correlation Paul draws there? Hey, if you want to please men, you should not be the bond slave of Christ. So you need to choose who you want to submit to, who you want to be your master, who you're willing to call Lord. Because if you seek to please men... God is going to be greatly disappointed. If you seek to please God, men are going to be greatly disappointed. But you need to choose who your master is. Because if Jesus Christ is Lord in your life and you've submitted to his lordship, you're not in charge anymore. You've signed over full power of attorney to Christ and you have no rights yourself. I only do what Jesus tells me to do from here on out. And that determines what relationships I have, determines the health of my marriage, it determines how I, I raise my children, determines how I interact with other people, determines what hobbies I'm involved with and which ones I'm not involved with. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and I've submitted to his authority. So that determines the type of television shows that I watch or do not watch, the music that I listen to or don't listen to, the movies that I attend and don't attend the types of people that I spend time with and the people I don't spend time with because Jesus Christ is the boss of my life. I'm just simply a slave that needs to ask for permission to do anything. And again, please don't think to yourself being a slave of Christ is a bad thing. It's actually the best thing you could ever possibly do. But you see, the bond slave is a position of ultimate humility Because you think to yourself, okay, when it comes to being a bond slave, what's the position underneath that? Anybody want to take a guess? 
there's not one. How much lower can you get than a slave who has no rights, no will, no property, no voice? How do you get lower than that? You don't. It's as low as you can go. So again, for those of us that struggle with pride, this might stir up inside of us a little bit of uh, consternation, if you will, a little bit of uneasiness. Wait a minute, I've got to relinquish all my rights? Yeah. Wait a minute, I've got to be willing to be a slave to a master? Right. Wait a minute, I've got to be willing to do whatever I'm told and not ask questions? <sighs> exactly. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2, if you would. We had the privilege of preaching through the book of Philippians, and man, it is such a good book. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant. That word servant is the Greek word doulos, which is translated slave or bond slave. So Jesus Christ, while he was God, did not come to this earth and use his reputation as a way to get an easy life, but he took upon himself the form of a bond slave and was made in the likeness of men. And being found fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So, this invites the question. If Christ was willing to take on, willing to take on the form of a bond slave, why exactly do you and I feel like we deserve better? Jesus himself said, the servant is not above his master. And it's interesting, when Jesus uses that word servant, he actually means the word slave. Slave's not above the master. Jesus says, they hated me, they're going to hate you too. Why do you and I feel like we don't have to take on that role? We can still, we can kind of be co-equal with Christ and call the shots. I can about it kind of be, I can submit to Christ's lordship when it's comfortable, but when it gets uncomfortable, I'm going to do my own thing over here. Why do we feel like we can do that if Christ himself didn't? It's interesting, there, there's two words for the English word servant that we find in the Bible, probably more, but two that come to mind off the top of my head. The Greek word doulos here, bond slave, and the other word is the Greek word diakonos, where we get our word deacon from. That word literally means one who waits tables, one who attends to the needs of others as a servant. The other word is bond slave, and when Jesus says the servant is not greater than the master, he's talking about the bond slave is not better than the master. And so again, we look at this and we see that we've been called to a life of submission to Christ's lordship, but it's a place of humility, and we struggle with humility, don't we? That's why, again, just a few verses previous in James, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So therefore, submit yourself unto God. But you see, refusal to submit to the lordship of Jesus only admits your bondage to sin and idolatry. 
So here's the idea. Sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to make Jesus Christ Lord. I don't want him to be the boss. I'm not willing to allow myself to be enslaved to anyone. Okay, then you're a slave to your own sin and idolatry. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm the master. Please understand this. Let it be ridiculously clear. You will never be the master of your life. Ever. You'll always be subject to someone. Always. You're never in charge. Ever. Because your Lord is either Christ or your Lord is sin. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans, Romans makes this so dead simple for us to understand. Take a look at Romans chapter 6, verse number, let's just say verse 17. Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that you are the servants of sin, servants, slaves of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that doctrine which was delivered to you. Anybody want to help me with what that doctrine is? Anybody want to take a guess? The gospel. You've been delivered the gospel, and because of that, you've been set free from the bondage of sin. Verse number 18. Then being made free from sin... You became the slaves of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members as servants to uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, so now you yield yourselves members of servants to righteousness and to holiness. You used to be a slaves of sin, but now you're a slave of righteousness instead. Mind you, you always have a master. Always. You're never free to do your own thing. Verse number 20, for when you were the servants or slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you're now ashamed, but the end of those things is death. Being now made free from sin and become the servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and fruit and life everlasting. But it's interesting that Romans chapter 6 tells us that we should not, verse number 16, yield yourselves servants unto unrighteousness. Verse number 13, I'm sorry. Neither yield yourselves members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God that are alive from the dead, your members as instruments of righteousness of God. So again, you can choose your master if you want to. Totally up to you. But get this. If Jesus Christ is not Lord, then your sin is. You're never free. Sometimes people think, well, I don't want to be under the bondage of, of, of Christian religion and rules and guidelines, and I don't want to be under the yoke of God's law. Huh. Okay, then you'll be under the yoke of your own sin. You'll know this, apart from the gospel, you will never be free. Man, like two weeks ago on a Sunday morning, Trey and I were getting things ready, uh, turning on lights and turning on AC and stuff like that. There's a dude parked out front in a, a nice looking Mercedes. Dude was slumped over outside of his passenger side of his car, unconscious on the sidewalk. Half seated in his passenger side, legs on the sidewalk, slumped over unconscious. We sat and watched for, I don't know, 20 minutes before the cops showed up. Dude didn't move a muscle. I don't know if he was dead or what. 
the cops came, and once he saw the, the blue lights, he kind of straightened his act up and started walking around and stumbling around. Then he sat down in the driver's seat. I thought, heavens, don't let this guy drive. And he sat down in the driver's seat, and he slumped over the steering wheel. And Trey said something to me that I'll never forget. He goes, man, that doesn't look like a lot of freedom to me. And I thought to myself, so true, so true. Somebody like that would say, I don't need rules. I don't need guidelines. I don't need God's law. I want to do my own thing. Okay, this is what freedom looks like. And let this be a note for boys and girls here tonight. That's what freedom looks like in the world's eyes is enslavement to sin every single time. So again, when you say to yourself, like, oh, I don't want to put myself under the lordship of Christ, the only thing that you're admitting is that your Lord is your sin and idolatry. Because everybody has to choose their own master. Either it's going to be Jesus or your sin. Jesus says in, in John chapter 8, verse number 34, get this, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Anybody want to take a wild guess as to what that Greek word that he used was there? Doulos, bond slave. You want to continue to submit, submit to your sin again and again and again? Great. You now are the servant. You're the slave of your sin. So when it comes to submit yourselves unto God, that's a conscious choice that you have to make to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. You might say, well, I want to be the boss. You'll never be the boss, Ever. Get that through your thick skull. You will never be in charge. Either Christ will or your sin will, but they can't both be. Turn back to James chapter four, if you would. Let's back up. Verse number four, James chapter four, verse number four. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship with the world is the enmity with God? Wherefore, whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? So again, you want to be friends with the world? That makes you an enemy of God. And again, your heart, according to verse number five, continues to lust and lust and desire and want. And Verse six, but he gives grace, gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. And I used to, used to frustrate me to no end. Sometimes preachers would say, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, look and see what it's there for. <laughs> I was like, oh, heavens. If I hear that joke again, I'm probably just going to shove a pencil in my ear. But kids, don't shove pencils in your ear. That's very bad, okay? I'm sorry, I forget. Um, I can't stand that phrase, but it, it bears at least examination. When you see the word therefore, it's always pointing back to something else somewhere else. In this case here, when it says, submit yourselves therefore unto God, what's it pointing back to? The fact that God wants to give you his grace if you're willing to be humble. But it requires you to be humble to receive his grace. And it requires submission to receive his grace. And it requires that you not be proud, otherwise he will resist you. Therefore, you must submit yourselves unto God. 
But you see, there's coming a day when everyone who's ever lived in all of human history will submit to the fact and confess the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 9, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and of every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, when you and I willingly submit to the authority of Christ in our lives and we willingly call Jesus Christ Lord, that gives the Father glory. And man, I'm all about God's glory. I hope you are too. That's why we were created. That's why we still exist. That's why the Bible says we were created for his pleasure and for his glory. And so God gets glory when we willingly submit to the authority of Christ. But he doesn't stop there because one of these days God will receive glory from every single one of his created beings whether they like it or not. Because all those that renounce Christ's lordship will one day bow in confession and worship before the King of kings and Lord of lords, and they will say that Jesus Christ is Lord. The most hardened heart at that day will have no other choice but to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But wouldn't it be great if nobody had to force us and twist our arm? Wouldn't God be more glorified if you and I choose to say, I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. Hey, maybe there was a day where I maybe just thought that I got my ticket punched to heaven, but I want to go deeper than that. I want more than that. I want to willingly, lovingly submit to the authority of Christ and allow him to take the wheel. And some of you just thought Jesus take the wheel, didn't you? Shame on you. Just shame on you. I thought about it after I said it, and so I'm sorry. But again, it's, it's funny. Sometimes I used to see those bumper stickers. I, they're not that popular these days, I guess because people don't do Christian bumper stickers anymore. But there used to be that one that said, Jesus is my co-pilot, you know? It's just like, uh-uh-uh. Jesus is like pilot, and I'm like riding coach, right? Like I'm in baggage stowage underneath the plane. Jesus is 100% pilot. He don't need my help. That's a fact. Christ is not my co-pilot. He's the pilot. And so... It's better for you and I to submit to his authority now than to be forced into it later. And really, if you want the good stuff that life comes from submission to Christ anyways. And at the end of the day, submission to Jesus is an act of faith and worship. I trust him. I believe that he is a good master that would never do me harm. I believe that his promises to me are true. I believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I really believe that if I want the abundant life, that Jesus Christ is the answer to that. I believe that, so I'm willing to submit myself to the Father because he always knows best. I'm willing to submit to the Lordship of Christ in my life because he's always good. I'm willing to put myself under his authority because I've seen what happens when I think that I'm in authority. I got it, 100%. That's where the good stuff is found, and that's what I want. And that's what I want for you, too. It's kind of sad these days to see what some forms of Christianity have become. That Jesus is your buddy. He's your pal. He's a shoulder to cry on. He's cheering you on. You can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth you. He's your biggest cheerleader. He's standing on the side with pom-poms. Is Christ a friend that sticketh closer than a brother? No doubt, no doubt. Is Christ your friend? Definitely, 
No doubt, no doubt. Are we joint heirs with Christ if you're a child of God? No doubt, no doubt. But please never forget the fact that he will always be Lord in Christ. Always. He's not your buddy. He's not your homeboy. He's not your pal. He is Lord. What do you want me to do, Lord? Fully submitted, fully surrendered. You know, submission goes hand in hand with surrender. Surrender is waving a white flag. Hey, I give up. I'm tired of fighting. Your way is best. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And that's submission. Those two things go hand in hand. It's funny, you can't have surrender without submission. You can't have submission without surrender. I don't have time to unpack all that tonight, but it's good. But maybe there's an area of your life where you've been unwilling to submit. Stop it. Really. You think your way's best? You feel like you don't have to submit, that Jesus was willing to submit, but you're not? Maybe there's sin in your life that you're not willing to clean up. Knock it off. Submit to the Lordship of Christ, or don't. But please understand, if you don't, you're just turning yourself back to what you've already been set free from. Again, Romans chapter 6, read it. Read the, whole, read the whole chapter this week if you're struggling with the Lordship of Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? doesn't even make sense. It's not even logical. Maybe you got into Christianity because you felt like it was going to help your marriage or because it was going to get you advanced at work or you thought you were going to get something for it. Maybe those things will come. Maybe they won't. But Christ expects to be Lord. And if you want God's blessing, it's the way to find it. Most important thing in the world for you here tonight, you don't know for sure that you're saved. The only way that you can be saved is by submitting to the authority of Christ. First of all, in repentance of sin, and secondly, in faith in Christ alone. If you've never been saved, tonight's your opportunity to be saved. But for those of us that are Christians, is Jesus Christ Lord? Yeah, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Come on, preacher. Okay, is he really? That'll be determined by the way that you live your life tomorrow. That'll be the way to determine when you live your life on Tuesday. That's going to be determined by the way that you're living your life in 10 years if Jesus Christ is really Lord or you're just throwing out some mental assent to who he is. But man, Jesus Christ is Lord. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.